Hey, good morning, everyone. All right, I, I, I know Pastor Mike has kind of uh, given us a little uh, insight on what we're talking about this morning, and we're going through the book of Philippians, and we're looking chapter by chapter, and Paul writing to encourage the, the, the church in Philippi, the first church that he started in Europe, and, and he, he gets to a point here in his letters, he's getting towards the end of the book, where he really begins just to kind of, it's like these short, quick little things that he just says, do this and do this and remember this. Like you ever, you ever like when your kids are going out the door or something, you're like, don't forget this and don't forget that and make sure you do this and, you know, make sure, don't forget to do this. And you're like, you're, you're trying to remember all these things. Yeah, yeah, I know, mom. I know, dad. I, you, you know, I, I know, yeah, my socks match, you know, okay. You know, I, I put my shoes on, you know, you're, you're, you're and, and Paul at the end of the letter is just kind of doing these quick things of just like, remember this, do this. And if you remember this, you're going to have peace in your life. And this is where we are in this, uh, in the letter of Paul to the church in Philippi. And he's getting towards the end. And he's just writing them, don't forget to do these things. And, and I know uh, Paul is, is, as we know, his heartbeat here. He's writing to a church, not, not really anything discouraging, but just to encourage this church. He's, this church has supported him. He's, he's in prison right now as he's writing this letter to them. And it's just a, a wonderful letter of just encouragement of how we continue to walk our walk with the Lord with peace. And, and, and Paul knows, just like all of us know here, um, that worry and anxiety and stress can so easily derail us from knowing the peace of God that he can give us each and every day in our lives, even in stressful situations. And Paul gives us some great insight here on how to deal with just stress and anxiety and things that are going on in our life. So I want to jump right into Philippians. We're in chapter 4 today. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 9. And, and so we're, we're, you know, we're kind of at the end of the letter here. And uh, this is the last chapter. And let's see what Paul says here. He's kind of just giving some exhortations here and, and just reminding them of what they need to do. And this is how he starts verse 4. We're going to jump into He says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. How many of you are old like me and you remember that song, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, how many of you just remember that song? Remember that? And then we do it in three-part harmony. Okay, you over here, Rejoice in the Lord. And that's all it was. The whole song was Rejoice in the... Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Re the whole song was just the word rejoice, Right? Cool song, just easy to remember, but I read, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one because I was thinking about that one. I love that people are old like me. That's good. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, uh, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Lord, I just pray this morning that, God, as we just come to you, I know that life can be so stressful. 
And all of us here um, have deadlines and stressful things and jobs and family and everything else that can so easily weigh us down. I pray that we would see that there's a peace that we can find in Christ that we cannot find in this world. And I pray for those that are anxious today, those that have heavy hearts today, those that have been beaten up by the world today, would find these verses as a source of strength and hope in our busy lives. And so, Lord, I pray that we would glean from your verse, from these verses today that were inspired by the Holy Spirit to help us live the way you desire us to live, God. And thank you that we can find peace even in the midst of this troubled world. So, Lord, I just pray this would be comforting words for every person here today. We just want to heed your word and let our spirit be open to what your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, um, I, you know, as a parent raising our kids, our kids are older now. Colby just finishes uh, first year in college. And Wesley is going to be a senior next year. Lily's going to be in ninth grade. Can't believe it. I, I remember thinking as our kids were younger, um, I've, I thought as a parent that, that once the kids got older, you wouldn't have to worry about them as much. Yeah, you're all laughing because you know. You're like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Fast. Right. You, the best age for kids is um, when they can sit up, but they can't crawl. Right? Because you just sit them there, and you can walk away, and they're not moving. But the minute they start crawling, right, they're into everything. And then especially when they start pulling up, then you start grabbing everything. So that's when you say, you know what? We need to baby-proof the house, right? Everything's locked up. You try all the, we, we had these things where uh, on the knobs, like you put these things, these plastic things on the knob so they couldn't turn the knob to open it and they would just keep sliding. And we had latches and we had everything high up in the air. And could, could they hit the corner if they, st- you know, we, you know, you're just constantly, you just make sure all the doors are shut. We've got gates over the stairs. So they, they can't fall down the stairs. Happened once to Wesley. We learned real, you know, Explains a lot, I know, but that's what happened. And, and he, was, he was fine. But, you know, so you're, you're just, and then, so you're thinking, well, once we get through that phase, it's just going to be better. We don't have to always have our eye on them all the time. Boy, is that just not the truth, right? Because then they start driving. <sighs> Much rather go back to the baby-proofing days, right? You're like, now you're thinking, you're, you're, you're up late at night. You, you want to, when you're, you know, if they're somewhere and they come back and you're hoping they get back and, and now there's this, this app that we have. It's called Life360 where you can track every place they go, right? That doesn't help at all because you're, now you're worried, are they okay there? And now you, you know they're all the time. And it's just, it's more, more where even though I, I, do, I do like the app, by the way. It is nice. I do like. Um, and now it's like, then they go away to college and then you never hear from them, right? You have a phone that you can text anytime like, Hey, Dad, I'm alive. That's all I want to hear, right? Because you text and you don't hear back from him. But, but I do have the, the, the Life 360. So I go, well, I know he's in his dorm room. So that's good. As long as he's there and, and it tells me if he's studying. I like that. No, I'm just teasing. It doesn't. <laughs> Grades tell me if he's studying, right? So we all know. It's, how many know that, that anxiety and stress are constant in our life? We we will lie to ourselves to think that we will never have stress 
and anxiety. It's just, it's part of life. So here, here's where we have to, let's stop lying to ourselves. Can we just get real with ourselves this morning? Let's just stop lying to ourselves and say, when life just settles down, I'll do this. It, it never happens because how many know something else will take its place? So let's stop lying to ourselves and say, when life settles down, then I'll start. It doesn't happen. It's, life is stressful. So the question is then, how do we deal and how do we manage stress? How do we manage anxiety? And, 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 and I want you to understand something here, that as we read the passages, Paul never told us, that we wouldn't be anxious or that stress wouldn't come in our lives. Even Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So there's, there's no place in the scripture that tells us that we're never going to face stressful situations or have times of anxiety in our lives. The scriptures never said we're going to be, those things are going to be eliminated. The question is now becomes, how do I deal with that? And that actually in Christ, I can find peace if I have the right focus. So that's what I want to focus on today. How do we battle with this constant battle of, of word? Because Paul could have easily fallen into that. Uh, just his life was so difficult. He could have fallen in despair, but something kept him looking forward. Paul had a joy that the world couldn't take away, even though he was just had a rough life and in prison, almost stoned to death many times, shipwrecked, all the ailment in his life, health ailments, whatever it was. But Paul, for some reason, kept looking forward. And it wasn't that Paul didn't have problems or that things didn't cause Paul to have stressful situations because stress is part of our life. So, Paul says this, he says, be anxious for nothing or, or worry for nothing. So what is worry? Well, Paul actually uses this word, be careful. It's, it's a little bit better translation. Be careful for nothing. And what this word literally means is this. It means to be pulled in different directions. And it's, it's basically what Paul is saying here. It's overthinking to the point to where it becomes overload. So what worry is, it literally means that it's, it, he says, be careful for nothing. You're, you're, you're thinking and you're overthinking this situation to the point where it pulls you in a million different directions. And the best way I can illustrate this for you, if you've ever played golf, because if you've played golf, um, especially if you play with other people, I'm a terrible golfer, but I love it. I just, I'm a glutton for punishment. Keeps you humble. And when the heart, to me, the hardest part of golf is just trying to hit a straight drive. You've got this long club and you're trying to hit this straight drive and mine's over here, over there. And it's all, and so you got a million, as you dress the ball, you've got a million things. Okay. Keep your head. Don't lift your head. Keep your eye on the ball. There's these, you know, keep this and keep your elbows and keep your head straight. Keep your feet straight. Don't crow like a rooster. You got all these things that you can't do. You're trying to, you know, keep, keep, and you're like, and then you don't even, you whiff, you don't even hit the ball at that point because you got all these things going on in your brain, right? It's, that's what Paul is talking. It's being careful. You're overthinking to the point to where it's pulling you in a million different directions. And then what happens is it causes us, here, here it is, here's what Paul is saying here. What, what worry does is, if we overthink something, it causes us to become indecisive unable to make a decision 
clearly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When, when worry and anxiety overcomes your life, you're, you're to the point to where your, your fear has so gripped your heart that now you can't even make a decision. And so now it's caused you to be indecisive. And in fact, the, in, in old English, the root of the word worry literally means to strangle. Worry will literally strangle you. And Paul knew this. Paul knew that anxiety and being, and being too careful on things is going to literally cause to strangle you. The worries and the cares of this world can choke the promises of God right out of our heart. And so what we tend to do when we worry and we fret, and believe me, I'm pointing to me, this whole sermon is directed towards me because I am a worrier. And we tend to forget the promises of God. And we begin to walk in fear and not in faith. Now, Jesus uses this word, and I want to give you two passages of scripture where Jesus uses this word to illustrate the point of choking the promises of God out of our heart. And Jesus uses one word in Matthew 6.25 where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry, do not be too careful, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So he's saying, don't be too careful about your life. Don't be anxious about these things. And then he also uses this word, going further in Matthew, in Matthew 13, 22, where he uses this word within a parable that he speaks about the parable of the sower. And what Jesus says is there's this farmer and he's casting seed. And some seed falls on a path where it takes absolutely no root. It just falls right on the path. And the birds come right away and they pick it up. And he says, then he throws some seed on a rocky place where uh, there's a little bit of soil, but uh, the, the seed doesn't take hold because the minute something happens, the seed in the, in, in, in the growing plant just gets ripped up. And then he says, some are thrown amongst the thorns and then they're choked out by the other thorns or the other weeds. And then he goes, some seed is, is cast into good soil where it produces a large crop. And this is what he says about worry, casting these seeds of God's word into thorns. He says in verse 22 of chapter 13 of Matthew, he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it what? Unfruitful. So he says the, the, the seed that gets thrown on the path, it's, it's uh, the evil one comes right away and takes it away because of the deceitfulness of sin in our hearts doesn't allow that seed to grow. He said the rocky places, it doesn't have much soil. So the minute uh, troubles come and trials come, boom, takes that seed right away. Um, when it's thrown in this uh, thorns, then the worries of life are like weeds that come and choke it and just take it right away. Uh, but he says it's got to be placed in good soil. So Jesus understood that worry and anxiety can choke the life out of us. It can choke God's faithfulness and his goodness and his promises 
out of our life. And the common thread between Matthew 6, don't worry about your life, what you'll wear, what, you're, what you will eat, and Matthew verse 22 in chapter 13 about the worries of life and the deceitfulness of, of wealth, both of these common things have a common thread that runs through both of those verses and it's provision. Will God provide? And so worry chokes all the joy that God desires to give to us in our lives. In fact, they did a study on worry. And they said that in the study of worry, they said actually 8% of what we worried about was actually legitimate. 92% was either imaginary, never came to fruition, or things that we have no control about anyways. 92% of the time, we worry for nothing. How many know that that's true? Right? It's just true. And so Jesus gives us the truth about worry when he says in Matthew chapter 6, 27, he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? How many know we're like, yes, that's so true, Jesus. You're so good and you're so perfect. But yet I'm going to hear this message and I'm going to walk out of church Five minutes out the door, and I'm going to start worried about something, right? How, how many know it's just true? It's just true. So we've got to get it from here knowing, and then it's, it's, got, to be, it's got to be planted in, into our hearts. And what I love about this passage is Paul gives us some help here. Because if, if you look at Philippians chapter 4, and you just look at verse 6, six, six and 7, and, and I've place this verse to memory because I'm a worrier. And if it tells us to be anxious for nothing, but anything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, the peace of God, with trans and other things, but God charges of man and Christ Jesus. <laughs> okay, I know it. Problem is here, you've got to look at the verse before it and you've got to look at the verse after it. And I think what, what we'll do here is when you look at the verse before it and you look at the verse after it, it gives it proper context of how we can implement this in our lives and so that it's an ongoing process. So it's not just a verse we memorize for the next time we worry, but it actually becomes our lifestyle. It actually becomes a way of thinking. It becomes correct thinking in our lives with dealing with stress and anxiety in our lives. And so Paul gives us the antidote to worry, Paul is not saying that we will never have stress or problems in our lives. Please, please don't. I think for Christians, we think I must be doing something wrong if there's, if there's stress in my life. You may not be doing anything wrong. It's just life. How I many you know life has stresses? So don't beat yourself up and think, why am I, am I, you know, I've got all this stress. I must not be living right. Am I living in sin? I don't, maybe you are. Confess that to the Lord, right? But if, if that's not the case, it's just life. Jesus said life is hard. Life has tribulation. Okay? But I want to give you peace. John 16, 33. So we have to know this, that it's going to be difficult. So Paul gives the antidote. Paul gives us some help here. And so I want to unpack these verses. And so before Paul tells us to be anxious for nothing, he says, listen. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to get that in your brain. And then about three o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to be singing, Rejoice in the Lord always. So when an issue comes and anxiety comes, Rejoice in the Lord. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. 
We're going to learn that song by... No, I'm just teasing. Okay, so here's Paul's point. What's Paul's point here? He starts by saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What's Paul's point? His point is this. Our joy doesn't depend on our circumstances, but on a God who is sovereign and who is always there for us, even in stressful times. That you can even rejoice in those difficult times because he goes right from rejoicing to live a life that's gentle, and then goes right into don't be anxious for anything. Paul's thought continues by saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let people see how considerate you are. Don't allow these stressful situations to, to change your attitude, to cause you to become nasty. To, you know, Just realize that you can rejoice in the Lord, and these things don't have to affect your life and the way you look at the outcome of your life because you know at the end where it's going to take you that for those that trust Christ, heaven is waiting for us. So just rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. God has everything under control. Take a deep breath. <sighs> right? It's a, how many of you know, are we going to even remember, when we get to heaven, are we going to look back and remember any of this stuff anyways? No. Right? And we put so much thought and energy into things that just don't matter. So I want you to notice something here. Paul is saying that these things are imperative in keeping and maintaining not only your life, but the community of the church as a whole. That we live in fellowship with one another, that we're encouraging one another. These verses are not simply about Paul's encourage us not to worry. His concern is for our integrity, how we live our lives before Christ and each other. And so what he does is he packs these verses together and he basically focuses on three things here. And this is what I, I want to look at. And this is... This is how we are to focus on handling stress and worry in our lives. So let's unpack these verses, the verses before and the verses after. And I think it's going to give us proper context to Philippians 4 and, and specifically dealing with anxiety. So what does he say here? Well, first of all, he says, listen, in order for you to, to, to have a correct view of stress and anxiety, you have to have correct prayer. This is right praying. This is correct Prayer, And what he says, he says, if you're going to, as we all deal with anxiety and stress in our lives, he goes, you have to have a correct prayer life in dealing with the issue of stress. And this is what he tells us. He says, don't worry, pray about it. Let's pray and go home. That's what he says. Listen, don't worry, pray about it. This is our weapon. This is our tool to deal with the stresses of life. He says, pray about it. And we all fall in this trap. We worry, worry, worry. And then we pray when we're at the end of our rope. We're like, oh yeah, maybe I should have prayed about that, right? And so prayer should be the first thing we turn to. So Paul says, listen, don't worry, be happy. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I, I don't think that's what Paul actually meant, right? Okay, it's another song from the 80s. All you old people are with me, okay? So what, what three things that, that, that he gives us about praying instead of worrying. And this is what Paul tells us to do. Here, here's correct praying. So he says the first thing we need to do is remember, you rejoice in the Lord. Remember, God is in control. And if you're going to have a correct understanding of worry, you have to have a correct prayer life and, and correct praying. And so he gives us three things. He gives us prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. He said, this is how you deal with stress. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. So let, let's break those down. What does he mean by that? Well, the first thing is prayer here. And what Paul means by this kind of, of, of praying 
It's the idea of going to God in worship. It's recognizing God for who he is, that he is more than able to help me and care for me in my time of need. It's this attitude of worship. Have you ever been just in an attitude of worship where you're just singing a song and God's care just comes over your life? And a situation that you're dealing with, you just, you, now you just have a sense of peace when you come to God and worship. Why? Because your mind is now focused on him and not the problem. Because that problem can choke the life out of you if you let it. You've got to get control of it and say, God, I'm going to worship you through this. And Paul says there's an answer to your stress that God is going to give you peace. And so what I want you to see here, it's, it's interesting. What you're doing is you're directing your thoughts towards God, and it literally means to be up close. Paul talks about this prayer time as actually an intimate time where you're up close. It's, it's face-to-face time. I can remember when it was so funny. When Lily was younger, I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't paying attention to her, and she's talking to me about something. No, Daddy, I got these dolls and blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening to her a couple minutes, and I started zoning out, you know, not a good dad at the time. And she just grabs my face. Daddy, listen to me, right? Just grabs my face. I said, okay, what what do you want? Okay, you got my attention now, right? That's what this prayer means. It's FaceTime with God. It's it's that one-on-one FaceTime with God, an intimate time of worship before the Lord. And and, and this word prayer um, carries this idea of an exchange. This is what I love. You give this worry to God in exchange for something that God gives us. So what we do is when we come to the Lord in in prayer and we worship him, we we come to the Lord with this worry and we give it to him. In exchange, Paul says, God gives us his peace. I would say that's a good deal. I would say that's a great deal. You give your problems to him and now he gives his peace to you. To you. This is what this prayer means. It's this intimate time with the Lord. It's just being real with God. God, I've got the stresses, and and God, I'm just going to come to you. I'm going to worship you for who you are, that you're sovereign, that you're good, that you're going to provide for me. You're going to provide me according to your riches and glory, and I know that you're good, and I know you've been faithful in the past. I know you're going to be faithful now. It's this worship of coming before the Lord, face time with God, and what happens is Paul says there's this great exchange. Worry for his peace. That's what this prayer means. It's not, you don't have to go before the Lord and start praying in King James language. Thou great Father, thouest I have needs, ifs. Right? It's not that. God's saying, listen, just come to me. I know your heart. I know your needs before you even bring them to me. But I want to have that personal relationship with you and watch what I do in your heart and life and taking the stranglehold that this worry has around your throat and I'm going to give you my peace through it. And then he says, Paul says, not only do do we go to the Lord in prayer, that's what prayer means, but then he uses this word petition or supplication in some of your versions. Now what this word carries is the idea of a person who lacks something in his life. Listen, Mm, this is so good. God realizes that you have deficiencies in your life. The problem is when we feel self-sufficient and we feel like we can handle it ourselves and we start saying, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. And God says, oh yeah, have fun with that, right? Supplication means, God, I'm coming to you with a deficiency in my life, and I need you. 
It's a person of, that says, God, I can't do without you. God cannot work in a self-sufficient heart. The moment we think we are self-sufficient and we start working out our own, our, God, here's my five-year plan. God, here's my 10-year plan. God, here's my 15-year plan. And I'm going to go plop, plop, plop. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the other. He said, God, God's going back saying, okay, have fun with that. We'll see how that works out for you. Right? God wants us to come to him saying, God, I'm deficient. I am deficient. Right? I'm lacking things. And it's not just coming and saying, God, I need this and I need that. And I need... That's not what this means. Some people think, well, the petitions, the supplications mean that I give God my prayer list. Whew, right? Here's my... It doesn't mean we don't go before the Lord and we share our needs and what our list is. But what supplication means is this. It's someone who lacks something. This word literally takes on a sense of desperation. God, I'm desperate for you. God, I'm pushing my pride aside to seek you. I need you. Desperate prayers are godly prayers. God loves these desperate prayers. And I know for some of us, we feel like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm deficient. I don't want people to think like I'm deficient. I don't want people to, to know my needs. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. God says, that's not how I work. I work in these prayers of supplication and, and these, these, these petitions. That, that petition me saying, God, I'm desperate, I'm deficient, I need you. And it's just not for needs in our lives. It's just, God, I'm a deficient person, period. And I've got pride in my heart. And sometimes I think when we go through these times of worry, God is trying to show us, Barton, stop trying to do it on your own strength. Realize that I will provide. Trust me. That doesn't mean we don't do anything about it. But that means we work in faith by trusting God that he will provide, that he's the one that fulfills all my needs. Amen? And, and that's what this prayer of supplication. And then Paul says, here's, here's correct praying. So it's not only praying with this face, face-to-face with God, intimate prayers with God, praying with a worshipful heart to God. It's not just the supplication of God, I'm desperate for you, I'm deficient, I need you. But the third, I love this third thing Paul gives us. He says, also pray with what? Thanksgiving. And I love this because what Paul means here is when we pray with thanksgiving, this shows a right kind of heart that I'm not selfish. I'm genuinely grateful for all you have done for me. And what happens at this, at this point, he says, God will give you his peace. So what we do is we pray with thanksgiving like, God, thank you, Lord, that you're going to work all this out. You pray in advance like, God, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what, but I'm just going to thank you in advance for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done in the past. Thank you, God, for just being God. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for providing for me a house, a car, food in my... Thank you, Lord. Thank... How many know when you keep thanking and thanking and thanking, worry goes out the window? Because now you're focused on the right thing. You're not focused on the worry that's going to choke you, but you're focused on thanksgiving that gives you a grateful heart, that gives you a sense of peace, that God is in control. See, it's all about provision that God is going to provide because most of our worries stem from provision. God, how are you going to do this? God says, I already figured it all out. I got under control. So just worship me through it. Bring your petition before me, your desperation, your deficiency, and thank me. And Paul says, what happens here is 
you will have a peace that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's the picture here? He says, when you come to me in prayer, in true supplication, and you come to me with thanksgiving, what's going to happen now is, is I'm going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And what the picture is this. It's like a century standing guard over the gates of your heart and mind. That when worry and stress come a-knocking, right? You're going to be in that place where you're going to say, I know what I need to do. I need to go to the Lord in prayer. I need to admit my deficiency. I, Lord, I need to thank you irregardless. And that peace will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Here's the reason why. You have to realize that when you are in Christ Jesus, he's defeated the works of the enemy on the cross. Through the power of the cross, Jesus now becomes your sufficiency. Jesus took all the stress and all the anxiety, all the things that come with sin and all those things, Jesus took that on himself. Jesus now becomes your peace because now you are in right relationship with God. And when you are in right relationship with God, doesn't matter what happens in the world, does it? Because I know that I'm in right standing with God for what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so that's the, 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 the source of all stress and all worry comes from our sinful hearts. Because, because we are sinful, we've turned our backs on God, we think that we can do it all ourselves. And God breaks us of those things when we come to Christ because we realize that Christ took all our sin upon himself, upon that cross, became our substitute. And so in Christ, we are now reconciled back to God in a right relationship with God. My heart is now in a right place with God that I know he's going to provide for me through his son, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus and what he's done for us. And so we keep God's peace by also possessing something else. And here's what Paul says. Here, here's, here's what happens after uh, verses 6 and 7. He says, listen, here's, here's how you keep your mind focused on the right things. You have to have correct prayer, but also you have to have a correct mindset, correct thinking, right focus, right thinking. And this is how we guard this peace in our minds. Here's how we guard that peace in our hearts and our minds. Here's what Paul says. Think about this. Think about the right things. Think about those things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Paul says, Think about these things. Think about for the moment the things that you think about during the day that are going to drag you down. Think for a moment all the things that we are, that, that we are, are faced with and that bombard our minds that can easily drag us down. But when I have right thinking and I focus my attention back on Christ and what he did for me, the cares of this world grow strangely dim, don't they? Because now I'm focused on the right thing. I'm focused on Jesus. He's perfect. 
Jesus is right. He's pure. He's lovely. He's admirable. He's excellent. I'm going to think about Jesus. I'm going to give my praise towards Christ because he is all these things for me. And so all of a sudden, all the stress and the worry of the world just seem to fade away because they don't hold its weight anymore on my life because Jesus conquered those things for me. Here's one of my favorite um, verses in the Old Testament, Isaiah 26.3. I know some of you have this to memory. This is a great verse to have in memory. What does Isaiah say? He says, you will keep in perfect peace those who minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace those who minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Isn't that good? Isaiah 26, 3. And so it's, this is correct praying, correct thinking, Put your mind on, on Christ. And then the last thing he gives us in verse 9 is to keep God's peace in our life. That this is, this is correct living. It's not only correct praying, correct thinking, but correct living. We lose God's peace when we walk outside of his will. Paul says we must walk in this truth that we have come to believe He says, follow me as I do this, and you will have God's peace. Continue to live this way in your life. Have you ever wondered why you you get so agitated or why you get easily irritated or, or why is my patience so short? Well, the answer is God is not ruling my mind at this point. My, My thoughts have gone somewhere else. I've allowed this worry or this stress to take over my life. And now what's happened is it's choked the peace of God out of my heart. And I've allowed this pressure to overtake me to the point to where now I'm stressed. I'm agitated. With, have you ever just been so agitated? It doesn't matter what anybody does. It just irritates you, right? And so when that happens to me, because it does a lot, I've got to think back, God, what stress am I under? I'm missing something here. God, I've got to turn back to you. I've got to let your love and your peace and who Christ is in my heart to rule and reign in my heart again because I'm allowing this to overtake me. And so it's, this, it's a battle, but it's something that we can fight the right way. And Paul says the right way to fight this is through prayer petition, and thanksgiving. That, that's, that's how you fight it. And so when God rules my heart and my mind, I am content in him. And Paul says the result is peace. He just gives you peace. And I know for some of you, you're like, Pastor, I get that. Because there have been times in my life where stressed out about things, and I just gave this thing to the Lord, and I just felt God's peace come over my heart, Right? And so the thing is managing it. It's, it's, it's going back to these things and not forgetting them. Because that's what's hard. Because once that new thing pops up again, it's easy for us to default to that old man and go back to worrying, right? And I want you to remember who you are in Christ. That this is what makes all the difference. This is where the gospel comes into this whole thing of worrying. 
Jesus takes on my anxiety. And I have to put my confidence in him. I can lay those things at Jesus' feet. The Bible says, cast all your cares, right, upon him for he cares for you. You cast all those cares at his feet. No matter what they are, you cast those things at his feet because he cares for you. So, so Jesus takes my anxiety. Jesus is my focus for correct thinking because he's perfect. I'm going to make mistakes all the time, but Jesus is perfect in all his ways. And so I can trust him. So, so, so I keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. And I say, Jesus, I can go to you at any time, knowing that you will hear me, that you will forgive me, that I have an intercessor now between God and the Father who is Jesus Christ. And so I can have right thinking now by putting my mind on Jesus because he's perfect and he's done everything for me. He's my substitute. And the third thing there is, is for correct living. It's not this checklist of, because we're all going to make mistakes. We're going to, you know, we're going to hear this message and the next week we're going to, man, man, I just heard that message about worrying and now I'm worrying about it. And your spouse is going to say, did you hear anything that pastor said last week? Right? You ever get that one? That's always fun, right? Oh, I get it back to me. The kid's like, what did you just preach today? Right? About being patient. Oh, I love it. Welcome to my world, right? So here's how we do it. We realize we're going to make mistakes. We have to realize that that Jesus is my righteousness. It's, It's not me trying to live this perfect life through my own strength. I'm living it now through Christ because he's righteous and he imputes his righteousness into my life. And so I said, Jesus, I need to live through you. I've got to. Because when I do it myself, I, I mess up all the time. And so Jesus, he's perfect. Jesus takes my anxiety. Jesus is my focus because he's perfect. Jesus gives me his righteousness so that I can walk in God's will. These are all provided for us in Christ Jesus. So I don't know what you're battling with today. Maybe some of you here today are really, there's some really um, strong issues in your life that you're battling with and there's there's some difficult things um some of you are battling you're you're praying for your kids you're saying pastor i I worry about my kids a lot because i just want them to know the lord and i want to tell you don't give up you keep laying them before before the lord don't give up on that don't stress out keep going back to the promises of god that he's faithful some of you, it's, maybe it's other things. Maybe it's financial, whatever it may be. Here's what I want us to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing and I, for the band. Just I'm switching gears here for a different song. Sorry. Um, I just feel like we need to sing Good, Good Father again. And, and here's why. Katie's switching gears right now. She's, down. She's, she's right there. I love it. She's right there. Boom, right there. Um, here's why. As we were singing that earlier, it was like it was my whole message. That God, you're good. You're a good father and you're perfect in all your ways. And some of you here today, you, you need to get to that point. You say, God, I'm deficient in this area, whatever it is, and I'm, I'm admitting it. And I just need you to give me your peace in this, in this area because it's, it's really battled me. And what we're going to do is I want you to come this morning as we sing this song to the front. And I literally want you to lay that thing at the front of the church today. I don't care if it's your child. I don't care if it's a financial need. I don't care if it's a stress that you've been battling with for years. I don't care what it is. I want you to realize that 
God is good and he hears it. He wants you to react to it. He wants you to give that thing to him. And I don't want you to walk out of this place with that burden upon your life, not realizing that Jesus takes our burdens. He doesn't want you to walk alone in that burden. Give it to him. He wants to give you that peace. Now, 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 now listen. You're going to wake up tomorrow and guess what? That burden might still be there. It might not, but it might still be there. But guess what? You're going to look at it a whole different way. It's not going to choke you any longer because you have the peace of God. You're like, God, I'm going to stay in your promises. I'm going to believe that you're good. And I'm going to keep walking and, give, and, and presenting my request to you, my petitions, my supplications. I'm going to thank you irregardless, and I'm going to keep thanking you. I'm going to keep walking this. I'm going to think on good things. I'm going to think on noble things. I'm going to think on praiseworthy things. I'm not going to allow my mind to run over here because I know that's not good and I know that's going to drag me down. I'm going to think about you, Jesus, because you provided everything for me and I'm going to worship you each and every day. So that may mean you waking up in the morning and starting your quiet time in the morning, not at night. That may mean you may wake up, have to wake up a little bit early and say, God, I've got to, because by the end of the day, I'm so stressed out, right? You start your morning by waking up and saying, God, I know what's going to happen, but I know you're good. And I know you're faithful. And I'm going to put my mind on you today. So that when the thing comes, you say, hey, I was already prepared. Right? I, I wasn't reactive. I was proactive. Let's not be reactive anymore. Let's be proactive. And saying, God, I'm going to put my mind on you this morning. Early in the morning, I wake up and I'm going to just going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. And off, off on my day. Right? So that may mean changing some habits in your life so that, that you can gear your mind in the right way before the Lord. Amen. So as we sing the song, Good Father, realize that he is good and he is perfect in all his ways. And he wants to take those things from you that you've been battling with on your own. Humbly come before the Lord and give those things to you because he cares for you today. Amen. So I want you to stand today. We're going to pray and we're going to sing this to the Lord. And we're just going to lay these burdens at his feet today and watch what God does. So let, let, let's, just, let's just prepare our hearts here. Lord Jesus, we come before you. All of us in this place are deficient. And we need you. And Lord, I pray for every person in this place that just feels overwhelmed and stressed because of the cares of this world. Lord, I thank you that you've never, ever told us that we were to take this alone, that you are there to take the yoke upon yourself, that you would walk with us through this, but that through our trials and through this stress and through this anxiety, you are going to give us your peace because you are good and you are faithful. That every single morning when we wake up, we can say, God, your mercies are new today. I'm still faced with this problem, but I know your mercies are new every single morning. I know you're good. I know you're never going to leave me or forsake me. I know that nothing can separate me from your love, which is in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to trust you today, God. So Lord, I pray you'd work in every single heart today. As we just sing about your goodness. You are a good, good father. You're perfect in all your ways. So Lord, just touch every heart here today as we just give our lives to you. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Amen.